Thanks for listening to Connection Church's podcast. Today's message is a part of our series, A Better Story. Growing up, we have been told to make our own way, to write our own story. But few of us realize that God has a better story for us. Our prayer is that you come to the understanding that God has the pen in his hand and he is continuing to write a better story for you. Well, amen. Good morning, Connection. How are you? You want to take a minute and just say welcome if you're new here. Glad you just, you chose to worship with us today. And uh, also want to take another minute just to thank our connectors, those who serve um, in the church and who uh, give their time. This morning, I was actually walking down the hall and I came around the corner back here where our connectors meet before um, you guys get here. And I rounded the corner and there were blue shirts everywhere. And honestly, it was a, it was a little bit overwhelming to see how many people had given their time. And this was just our greeters. These were just people who were welcoming you this morning. There were 23 people in that hallway at that point in time who were here just to share the love of God with you. And uh, man, I'm so thankful for them and those who give their time to pour into our children's lives. Um, We've had 80 people so far this month who signed up to serve. And that's important because we can't do this by ourselves. This is something bigger than any one person. It's, it's advancing God's kingdom, and he's called us to do that as a body. And so for those of you who have taken time to do that, man, thank you. And, and here's the reality of it. When you serve, you end up getting more back because every salvation and every baptism and every person in a connect group, you realize God used us to do that. And that's so incredible. If you're not serving, we would love for you to become a part of this team of people, this body of believers that God is using. And uh, what an honor and a privilege and how humbling for us to be used by the God of the universe um, to impact the lives of other people. So I just want to say thank you to those of you who um, are doing that and those who aren't, man, like we don't want something that just from you. We want something for you. And we believe that your life will be blessed as you serve with us Um, today. We're actually finishing up this series um, called A Better Story. Uh, if you're here and, and this is your first day, you got a lot of catching up to do, right? Um, but it'll still be good. We're actually going to kind of catch you up in the, in the message today uh, to make a point um, in that. But, but I want you to, uh, if you've been here for the last six weeks or you've watched online or you've caught these messages, man, I pray that God's using them in your life the way he's used it in mine. And, um, and we're going to continue this. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 John chapter 4. That'll be the first place that we're going to read this morning. You're going to hit several different scriptures and look at how those apply to our lives. Um, but we're going to hit those and, uh, and look at just this last message in this series. So while we do this, let me pray for us. And uh, just believing that God's going to do incredible things here today. Uh, I, I can't do anything much in my own power, but this is what I know. If, um, if I and if we become vessels and channels of God's grace and his spirit, um, and the message of the gospel, he can do incredible things. So let's ask him um, to just bless us. We know he's here because his word says so. Let's ask him to move in a powerful way. Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity um, that you're here with us, God, that we can be in your presence, this opportunity to open your word. I thank you, God, for this series and the, the lives and hearts that you've touched and changed through it, God. Um, Lord, we're here for you um, to be used by you. You are our king. You are our Lord. And God, uh, we ask that you would use us in a mighty way. Please use this time now to speak to our hearts um, and change our lives, Lord. We love you and we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Let me ask you this question. How many of you can think back to times when you've had like this feeling of nostalgia? Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? That sort of almost that feeling in your stomach, like you're reminiscing about something. And some, some of you had that feeling of nostalgia. There's certain things that will create that in us. Sometimes it may be that we go back for like a high school reunion and we see old classmates. So we go back to our old high school and we see some things that remind us of the past. And so we start having that feeling inside of us, that sort of nostalgic feeling for some some of us, it may actually be a song, right, that, that you hear and, and that song kind of takes you back to that certain place or that certain time that, that kind of begins to um, work in your heart and you start having this feeling of nostalgia. Um, for others of us, it may be um, looking at baby pictures, right? Baby pictures kind of make us go back. I think about how fast my own children have grown and, and you start seeing them um, grow up and you go back and look at pictures of them when they were little and you realize that how fast that they grew and, and just um, how fast that time's going by. For, for a lot of us, um, having been at a rehearsal dinner, right? Anybody ever been at a rehearsal dinner? That's that thing you went to before the wedding where everybody cried, right? That's the, basically the rehearsal dinner. And, um, and so you go to that, you start reminiscing about old stories, and, and you start feeling this feeling of nostalgia, this feeling like, man, I kind of miss those days, or those days were good, it's good to think back to those days. And, and I tell you that to tell you this, because I kind of feel that way about this series. I've never felt this way about any series we've ever done, but I sort of have that feeling. Um, this has been an intense season of ministry for us as a church and for um, our, our staff and, and for me personally. And we've poured a lot into it, not just over the last six weeks, but really over the last six months. And the thing that I've seen is how it's impacted my life. And it's been encouraging to hear stories from other people, how Jesus has impacted their lives throughout this series. Now, here's the thing I would tell you. I, I sort of have this nostalgic feeling about the series, but I still know this. The best is yet to come. And I'm pumped about the series we're going to do next week called Heart and Soul and begin next week. But but the thing, thinking back through it and thinking about the process I've been through myself and how God's began to shape in me my identity in Christ and how I see myself differently in Christ. And I've been a Christian for 13, 14 years and yet came to this new realization and understanding of my identity and the power of God's truth. And this whole identity in Christ, I've told you this before, but it's not an issue, it is the issue. And my prayer is that we would, as a church, as individuals, but as a church, continue to walk in this identity. I got this message yesterday, and I wanted to share it with you. Um, For some reason, my phone likes to kick me out of uh, the messages. But here it is. I got this on yesterday. It said, hey, Pastor Brandon, I don't really know where to start. I found connection at such a crucial time in my life. I was looking at a fork in the road, and thank God I chose to go in the right direction. I'd gotten off track for a while, but God continued to fight for me no matter how far I ran from Him. I went through stuff last summer that I'm sure many girls have struggled with. I'm just waiting on the opportunity to share my testimony as proof that God can bring you through anything. I was sharing with my cousin the changes going on in my life about two months ago, telling her how I'd found this newfound hunger for God like never before. After all was said and done, she asked me if I remembered her giving up sweets for months. I had no idea she was praying and fasting for me the entire time. As far as I ran from God, he still refused to give up on me. That just showed me the power of prayer is never to be underestimated. I thank God for Connection Church. I want to take the next step and get baptized. I've given God the pen. I'm letting him finish my story. 
It's from a young lady named Lauren in our congregation who sent that to me. Um, And how awesome to hear of people's lives here realizing God has a better story for me. If I would just give God the pen, he can write a better story. And I hope for you that you started coming into this realization that if we'll live in God's truth and see ourselves as God sees us, he has a better story for us. How many of you can think all the way back to the first message in this series? Week one, we talked about the they and the thems and the its. Y'all remember that? Anybody remember that? Please tell me, Lord Jesus, that somebody remembers that. Thank you. And, and, and we talked about that for that first week. And we talked about how our experiences begin to shape how we see ourselves, what we think of ourselves. And for some of us, we even began to develop a negative view of ourselves. We started thinking we had to be a certain way, not because of what Jesus has told us or who we are in Christ as we've come to faith in him. But we started seeing ourselves according to our experiences. We talked about how they have affected us. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a coach. Maybe it was somebody who constantly beat it into your head. You're not good enough. You don't measure up and you never will. Maybe it was a, somebody who was a great influence. It was they, and you did good until they called. Maybe it was an ex-boyfriend. Maybe it was an ex-husband. Maybe whatever it was, they had this power over you that began to tell you a truth that wasn't true. It was true according to your experience, but not according to God's word. Maybe it was an event, a major event in your life that began to shape how you see yourself and how you see God. And so you began to see things through that experience and it began to shape. Um, your life and how you lived and how you filtered things and how you process things. And we looked at how it sometimes is a thing. We see it. We're reminded of it. And it begins to tell us this lie. And we're reminded of it constantly. And it seems like it just dominates our lives. And we even talked about the shame and the guilt and the condemnation that comes at times because we're reminded of those things. And we begin to see ourselves and we begin to see life and we begin to see God through the lens of those experiences rather than through the truth of God's word. And we talked about all that. I brought with me today, or actually I didn't bring these, Caitlin brought these, but I brought all of the illustrations that we used in this series with me because I want you to see the process that we've been through. I want you to understand that we're all in a process. If I hit you with that spit, I do apologize. But we're all in a process and, and we're not a project. None of us are done. We'd love to all get to the end and just be at this destination. And sometimes as Christians, we miss the joy of the journey because we just don't enjoy the process. And so I wanted to walk us back through really quickly the process that we've been through. It'll catch you up. If this is your first time or if you missed a message, you're going to see some things that I hope will help you understand the process that we're in as we grow into our identity. Jesus gives us an identity and then we grow into that identity. The first one was this. We talked about this cup and we looked at how um, our lives a lot of times are like this this cup this glass right here and and God Jesus is trying to pour his life into our lives but we can't receive it and when we take the cup and we look at it and we realize that there's a barrier that keeps us from receiving God's love and even though God is trying to pour it in we end up like this cup empty And for many of us, our experience that they, the them, or the it has become the barrier. Our experiential truth, that little T we've talked so much about, begins to be the barrier to us receiving God or receiving the life he wants us to have because we've bought into this lie of who we are, who we're supposed to be, and how we should live. And this becomes the barrier. But we also talked about the fact and the great truth that in Jesus, the barrier has been removed. Romans 8.1 tells us there is no condemnation. 
condemnation. And the reason there isn't condemnation is because if you put your faith in Jesus, then your condemnation was taken by him. It was put in his body. It was punished in him so that you don't have to be punished. And so there is no barrier. The veil of the temple was torn. That barrier that was in the the Jewish temple that represented the the separation of man and God because of sin. When Jesus died, the Bible is specific to say it was torn from top to bottom. Never to be put back together again for those who are in Christ. And now we can go freely into the presence of God. There is no barrier now that Jesus has given his life for us. And this is what we're called to do. In 1 John 4.16 it says this, And so we know... And rely on the love God has for us. We know and we rely on the love God has for us. But that word for know, it actually means to experience. It means to have it. It means to have have actually tasted it and, and walk in it. We can't know it and we can't rely on it if we're not receiving it. And I'd like to encourage you and remind many of you today that the fact of the matter is that if you are in Christ, there is no barrier. You need to quit running from God and realize that God has been running after you like he was Lauren and simply receive the love that God has for you and watch him transform your life. We come to the place where we begin to realize that. Another one that we looked at was how the truth of God's word, the big T, this is the big T truth, trumps our experiential truth, that little T truth. And we talked about my wife's love for spades, right? Love for card games. And she loves this game called spades. And and, and so I had the cards and we talked about how so many different experiences in our lives begin to tell us who we are, but God's truth overrides that truth. And we talked about how one card that maybe had was dealt in our life that we have been a part of is maybe we're sexually promiscuous and so we feel guilty. Maybe we lost a loved one and so we feel empty. Maybe we're abandoned um, by, we were abandoned by a parent and we feel alone. But then we come to God's truth and we find in Deuteronomy 14 too that we're treasured people and that truth trumps us that God will never leave us or forsake us that we'll never be alone that God will fill up our lives as we seek him as we walk in his truth Uh, maybe we experienced rape someone um, robbed us by rape and we find ourselves feeling unclean maybe it was divorce that rocked our world and we felt rejected maybe it's pressure to be beautiful and then to stay beautiful and then to try to please people and yet you never feel good enough but then we come to God's truth And the trump card, the ace of spades, which no other card can beat, the highest card in the deck, God's truth, big T, says, I'm a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm unclean. I'm righteous in him. Maybe some of us have experienced burnout and we feel like we're finished. Maybe some of us feel this pressure to have it all together and we feel anxious. Maybe we've been abused by a parent and we feel broken. And yet Colossians 1.17, the big T truth, the trump card, the ace of spades that trumps every other card in the deck says, I am whole. And it tells us that Jesus holds our life together. And so there's a greater truth, a greater T, a bigger T that tells us a greater story. And when we come to the place of living in that truth, we're able to see ourselves. We looked at this. We looked at this old archaic thing called a projector, right? That nobody uses anymore, except for me, because I'm old. And we looked at this. We looked at how life has told us a truth. And you represents us. It represents how we see ourselves. And so we get this inaccurate picture of who we are. And yet when we take 
the truth and we see ourselves within the truth, we're able to be set free. John 8, 32 is true that I know the truth and the truth sets me free because I see myself in the truth. I see that I'm not a sum total of my experiences. I'm a sum total of what Jesus did on the cross for me. That will set you free. When we walk in that truth, we all wrote these stories. Remember, we we told you to go home and write this story, uh, your story about how did I get here? What influences in my life caused me to see myself the way that I see me? And we're supposed to all go home and write these stories. And remember, I brought one with me from somebody in our congregation and I read it that week. And we went through this, this exercise of recognizing what was true and what was untrue. And remember, we took that and we saw what was true and we said, what? Hallelujah. Y'all, some of you remember that. You just liked it because we kind of got crazy up in the church house that day when you got to say hallelujah. And, and then if it was not true according to God's truth, according to the big T, what do we say? Bull, right? Horse hockey, right? We said bull. And so we read through that and we started being able to recognize these untruths in our lives. And we started looking at this story and, and how so many of our experiences have told us things that simply aren't true. We began to realize God has a better story. And then we came back the next week. We brought those with us and we said, listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take the truths that God has given us, the truths that he has put in our sack that, that we live from, this, this, um, this, uh, these truths that tell us who we are in Christ. And it says in Christ, and it goes through all of these different things. I'm a new creation. I can trust God to continue his work in me. I have a future. I do not have to worry. I do not have to be afraid. I'm chosen. I'm treasured. I'm called out of darkness. All of these truths. And we wrote another letter. And those letters, when we came to Jesus and we saw the truth of who we are in him, we wrote this another letter, a new story, a greater story, a big T truth. And we took that old story of what our experience had taught us and we laid his truths on top of that old story and guess what when I began to look at the new story and the fact that I'm a new creation in Christ and this new life that Jesus has given me that I haven't fully grown into but I'm growing into it completely covers that old story and that old life and I'm able to live from a greater truth of who Jesus tells me I am and not what my experience has tried to teach me another scripture that we looked at was in Ephesians chapter six, Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 17. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when you When the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And when we looked at that and we talked about how Paul had taken this physical reality that all of his readers would have understood and, and he brought it to a spiritual reality. And what we began to see is that he is describing this Roman soldier and he's describing this person who was fitted by the king to go out, represent the king, take ground for the king and defend the kingdom. And we began to realize that what Paul is telling us is that we have been suited, we have been fitted to go out and live a victorious life in Christ, to live a life of 
uh, security in the truth of his word, of righteousness by the breastplate right that guards our heart, that tells us, one, we are righteous in Christ, and then gives us the ability as we begin to see ourselves as Jesus does, to actually go out and live it. That we have our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, that we are ready to go and carry the greatest news the world has ever heard, the gospel of Jesus to a world that the king has given us this ability, that we have the helmet of salvation that is on our mind, that guards our mind, that tells us that we are saved in Christ and that gives us a new identity and reminds us of that identity. We have the shield of faith that the Bible says extinguishes all the flaming arrows of the enemy, that takes all of those lies that Satan would use in our experiences in each of our lives and tries to fire them at us to make us doubt who we are, to get us living um, a different way, not trying trusting in who Jesus is, it says that the shield of faith, trusting in what Jesus has done for us, begins to take all of those arrows out. It extinguishes them all. He talks about how we have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we talked about how in our lives, we take that big T truth and it's like a sword. And we take that part of that truth that's applicable at any given moment. And we apply that truth to the lie that we're hearing. And we find that it actually has the power to do what God says it will do has the power to set us free as we apply it into our lives. And so we began to look at this Roman soldier. And then we talked about James 1. And it talks about how anyone who looks into God's perfect law that brings liberty and walks away from it forgetting what he looks like is like a man who looked into a mirror. And I would put this helmet on, but I don't think it'll fit on my big head. And so... We talked about how if this Roman soldier looked into the mirror, he would see someone who was complete, who was ready, who has been trained, who is equipped to go out into the world and battle for the kingdom. And yet if this soldier walks away and forgets what he looks like, then he's lost his confidence. He's lost his ability to live as this soldier, to live as this person. And the thing, I'm just going to throw that on the floor. We're done with it anyway. And And as we look at it and you begin to see that it's important for us to look into God's word and not walk away forgetting what we look like, but to look into the mirror, to look into his word and walk away and constantly being reminded of who we are in Christ, that he is our king who has fitted us perfectly for the assignments that are ahead of us, who's given us the ability to go out and fight and battle, win the battle of identity and also win the battle. For souls and for hearts, as God, as Jesus gives us the power. The last one we looked at came out of Romans 12 too, that we should not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Then we'll be able to discern God's will, his good, pleasing and perfect will. And, And we looked at how our minds, and if nothing else came from this message, a lot of people went home and changed their air filters, right? I told him our new uh, mission statement was saving air conditioning units one house at a time. And so um, we looked at how so many of us have a broken filter. The filter should be like this, and yet it's clogged. It's got all this dirt. This one actually came out of my house um, as we, meaning Susan, changed the air filter um, in our home. 
And we began to see how our experiences clogged that filter, how we can't um, hear information correctly. But as we begin to apply and listen to the truth of God's word, as we're in it consistently, we receive what it tells us. We actually receive it and then we actually do it. We begin to have our minds renewed. We begin to hear things differently. We talked about the filter and how to apply the stop, think, pray. We stop the information that's coming in that's pushing on those sore spots. We think about it. We bring it to the truth of Christ and then we pray about it. We, we either apply the truth or we recognize that what's coming in, that information is no good and we throw it out. It's just bull, right? And so we throw it out and we move on. We either accept correction without condemnation because God corrects us as a loving father or we recognize that it's just horse hockey and we throw it out. We get rid of it. And so we've seen all of these things and my prayer is, man, listen, that somehow this is working in your life and that God, through the power of his spirit, will begin to cement his truth in your heart and you begin to see yourself as Jesus sees you and then you begin to live as Jesus tells you to live because you can't begin to live as Jesus tells you to live until you can see yourself the way Jesus sees you. I pray that the Holy Spirit would enlighten us and open our eyes to experience that truth. And we looked at all these different stops along the way, but the thing that I would tell you is that These are all points in the process. This isn't the end of a project. We're all in process. In fact, our story never ends. We're just all in a different point right now than maybe we were six weeks ago or a year ago or a decade ago. But we're all in process. And this is not the end. Today, that we've been through all the illustrations, we've been through all this stuff, that's not the end of the story. In fact, we're not actually the end of the story. The story goes on. It continues. In fact, our better story is a means to the end of the real story, is a means to getting to the place that God is trying to take us. If you look over in Genesis chapter 50, this is one of the scriptures that we started with. We looked at the life of Joseph and we looked at how Joseph's life, God had a better story for him. He was favored by his father. He was thrown into a pit. They stole his coat. They sent him to Egypt. He got uh, put in prison. He got out of prison. This is a really quick story, synopsis of Joseph's life. He ended up getting framed by his master's um, wife. He ends up going back to prison. Finally, he ends up ruling over Egypt. And guess who had to come see him to buy grain? His brothers who had put him in the pit and sold him um, where he ended up into Egypt. And this is what happens at the end of his life. Once his father's dead and his brothers are fearing for their lives and they think our brother is going to kill us now. He's the most, second most powerful person in Egypt. Now he's going to kill us. And they come to him begging for their lives. And this is what Joseph says. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. We can all agree and we've all seen that God had a better story for Joseph's life. He had a plan for Joseph's life, but it wasn't just to stop with Joseph. It wasn't just for Joseph to have a better story. It was to advance his kingdom. It was so that Joseph's story would impact the stories of others. It was so that Joseph could literally save the nation of Israel, all of Israel's sons from famine. The people, the very people that he saved are the ones whom the Messiah Jesus came from who now saves us. God had a better story, but it didn't stop with Joseph. It doesn't stop with you. It continues on. And his better story in our life is so that our story can impact the story of others and ultimately bring God glory in the end, right? It's not the end with us. We looked at another um, account in the Bible over in Matthew chapter 14. 
And we read about where Peter walked on water. And we made several different applications from that scripture that helped us walk through this identity crisis that we're all in. There's not one person in here with an identity crisis. Every person in here has an identity crisis. And we began to see a couple of promises that Jesus always gets us to the other side. He will always get his people to the other side. And the other one was that Jesus has the final word. And we read verses in chapter 14, 22 through 34. And it's where um, Peter goes out and the, the disciples are in the boat and he walks on the water. Jesus has to save him because Peter got scared and and he began to sink and Jesus saves him and he takes him back to the boat and they land on the other side. What we didn't read was verses 35 and 36 because I wanted to save those for today. And it says, and when the men of that place recognized Jesus, this is after they land on the other side of the lake of Gennesaret, and they spent, they sent word to all the surrounding country. So all these people recognized Jesus. They sent word and then people brought all of their sick to him and begged him to let the edge of his cloak or let them to just touch the edge of his cloak and all who touched him were healed. Here's the awesome thing about this. It wasn't over when they got to the other side of the lake because they had been saved. They were now called to go and save others. And we know that once Jesus was across there, he healed the sick. We know that Jesus was constantly delivering people from evil. I want you to see today church that God wants to write a better story in your life. If you'll give him the pen so that your life impacts the lives of other people And ultimately God brings, is brought glory through our story, right? It's what God desires to do. He wants to use your life, your life. Don't just say, well, that's probably everybody else in the room. No, your life today, God desires to redeem it, to heal it, to make you whole and use you. And he desires to use you now. You don't get cleaned up and then come to Jesus. You come to Jesus and you get cleaned up. And then he takes your broken, busted, messed up life and he begins to use it to transform other people. That's the good news of the gospel that he takes a bunch of rejects and he just says, if you guys who are imperfect will live transparently and let them see the truth of my story, then I'm going to use you to transform other people's lives. It's what God does. That's who he is how we should live it's what he's called us to a better story give god the pen your story has the same purpose as that of joseph your story has the same purpose of that of those disciples that were in that boat jesus is writing a better story in your life as you give him the pen so that your life can be used to impact people I got to go up and I went to a Georgia game yesterday. My father-in-law played for the Bulldogs back in the 60s. Got to go up there. Um, I was walking by. I saw Vince Dooley several times. And, and, and I'm just going to be honest. Like, we ride my father-in-law's coattail. We're like, wherever he can go, like, we're like, heck yeah, I got the badge. Let me in. And so we were, we were, um, we were back uh, in, like, this Letterman's place. And we were standing. And I saw Coach Dooley several times. And I thought, you know, every player that came up to him, like they loved, they loved on him. They hugged him. They told him, you know, I love you. I could, I could see him like uh, just this affection they had for him. And I thought what a legacy that he left. But you know, the most amazing thing about coach Dooley is not the legacy he left in football, but it's the impact he played, had on his players, those people who played for him. And I think it's the same thing for us. The legacy is not going to be the, the, the accolades or the awards that we accumulate. The legacy that we leave is how we impact people's lives. 
remember when I quit baseball, I had to walk away from the game that had been my God for so many years. And I walked into the coach's office at Georgia Southern and I said, I'm going to have to walk away from it. It's just time for me to hang it up. I feel like I'm done with this game. And as bad as I hated it, I had to do that. And I remember what he said. He said, if you judge your career based off of how many hits you had, then it was a failure. But if you judge your career based off of how you impacted the people's lives around you, then you'll see that it was a success. And I walked away with at least that, realizing that maybe I had impacted somebody around me. That's what our lives are called to do, is to impact those people around us, to leave a legacy of Jesus and the power of his work in us as imperfect people live transparently so that some may see the power of Jesus. If we're going to do this, and if God's going to write our story And it's going to ultimately be for his glory as he uses our lives to transform the lives of other people. I'm going to close this series out with with just a couple of things I'm going to tell you that we have to do. The first one is this. It seems pretty evident and pretty obvious, but I'm going to say it anyway. The first one is, let God write a better story in your life. Let God write the story. I'm going to be real honest with you. Some of you need to go back and listen to the messages again and actually do what we told you to do. I made you a promise at the, end, at the beginning of this message that by the end, if you did what we asked you to do, that you stuck with it to the end and you realize sometimes it hurts to heal, then, then you would get to the end and the truth would set you free. Here's the thing I know about many people. You didn't do what we asked. We didn't do what God's word tells us to do. He tells us not to just look into God's word, but actually do what it says. And that's the person who is blessed. Let God write a better story. When I played sports, I often heard our coaches. I played for some pretty decent programs and played for Statesboro, played for Georgia Southern. And when we would go out there, a lot of times we hear these things of don't just throw your hat on the field and think you're going to win. What are they saying? Don't just go through the motions and think just because you're Statesboro or just because you're Georgia Southern, you're going to win the game. In fact, throwing your hat on the field and the name you wear across your chest, it doesn't guarantee you a win. It just makes you a target. And as Christians, we've won the the war. We're, We're secure in Christ. But I can tell you this, Satan wants nothing more than to rob you of your identity so that your story stops with you and doesn't get transferred to other people. That is unacceptable and that is not God's heart and it's not his will for our lives. We're going to press forward and we're going to grow in the identity of Jesus and God's going to use us, but we've got to let him write our story. The second one is this, practice, practice, practice. Don't look into the mirror and walk away. Be a Not just a hearer, be a doer of the word of God. Do what he tells us. Put it into practice. I got a video that I want you to see. Some of you are probably old enough to remember this. Some of you aren't. But check out this video, and then I want to talk to you about it. Easy to sum it up when you just talk about practice. We sitting here, I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game. Not a game, we talking about practice. Not a game, not, a, not, not the game that I go out there and, and die for and play every game like it's my last. Not the game, we talking about practice, man. I mean, how silly is that, man? We talking about practice. I know I'm supposed to be there. I know I'm supposed to lead by example. I know that. And I'm not, I'm not shoving it aside, you know, like it don't mean anything. I know it's important. I do. I honestly do. But we're talking about practice, man. What are we talking about? Practice? 
We're talking about practice, man. We're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. We ain't talking about the game. We're talking about practice, man. When you come in the arena and you see me play, you see me play, don't you? You see me give everything I got, right? But we talking about practice right now. We talking about practice. Man, I look, I hear you. I, it's funny to me, too. I mean, it's strange, it's strange to me, too. But we talking about practice, man. We not even talking about the game, the actual game, when it matters. We talking about practice. Now, is it possible, though, that from where he's coming from, if you practice... Not you would be better, but your teammates would be better. How can I make my teammates better by practicing? Now, granted, there there is so much application from that one video, right? But reality is, Allen Iverson, um, who played for the Philadelphia 76ers, a great player. Um, he was their franchise guy, right? And so they were giving him a hard time about not making it to practice. And, and yet you hear all of these rationalizations for not practicing. And, and I think sometimes we live with that franchise player mentality. That somehow I can get by without practicing. And we forget one of the most, um, golly, one of the, 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 the things he said that just hit me in the face was when he said, how am I going to make my teammates better by practicing? And we actually had to cut a part of that out, if you notice the, the film jumped because of a word he said. But how, how am I going to make my teammates work? What we don't realize is that by us doing what God's word says, by us letting God have the pen and write a better story in our lives, Jesus begins to use us to begin to transform other lives. That as we practice our faith, as we live out of our faith, we see God begin to do incredible things. Many of us want to go out and win the game, but we don't want to put into practice the things that God tells us to do. We need to practice what God's given us. We need to put it into practice and live from God's truth. The third one I would tell you is don't let success go to your head. You know, Alan Iverson, he won all sorts of individual awards, but he never won a championship. I think his attitude towards basketball, towards his teammates, towards life, had a big part in that. It wasn't about the team. It was about him. And for many of us, we'll start getting better. And that success begins to go to our head. We begin to live in more freedom as we let God's truth begin to define us rather than allowing that experiential truth to define us. But after we start getting better, we do this. We start, we just quit. We just think, I got it. We see it happen all the time. People come into the church and they're broken. They're hurt. They, they know they need help. They meet Jesus. They begin to be healed. They begin to get well. And as soon as they do, they turn around and they walk away from God again. And about six months to a year later, they'll be back in our office and they'll be saying, I don't know what's wrong. And you know what I tell them every time? When was your life working? When was God using you? Well, when I was following Jesus. Why don't you do that again? Why don't you do what works? And the only thing that works in life is when we trust Jesus with the pen and we follow his life and the life he has for us. Don't let it go to your head. Listen, we're in process until the day we die, till we are given glorified bodies. I can't wait for that day. I hope we have abs. I hope we have abs. And until we are made perfect, We're in process. We have to continue to practice God's truth. 
The fourth one is to remember the big picture. It's not about us. It's about his kingdom. 23 people didn't greet you today because it's about them. 23 people greeted you today because they know it's about your kingdom. Probably 20 or 30 people didn't set up this morning because it's about them. They got here at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning because they know it's about his kingdom and because they're passionate about you meeting Jesus. They're passionate about seeing a better story in your life. They're passionate about seeing their story impact your story and ultimately God receive glory. Thank God for people whose hearts have been touched and transformed and who are now touching our lives. What an awesome work of God. The fifth one, the last one I tell you is don't do it alone. You can't do this alone. God desires to write a better story in your life, but you can't do it alone. You need people walking with you. That's why connect groups, these small groups are so important to us. It's why serving is so important to us. You get to be around other believers. We get to sharpen one another. We get to hold each other accountable. We get to push each other when we don't think we can take another step. Listen, we're able to cheer each other on. We're able to correct each other. And that's what happens in these small groups. You can't do it alone. I was thinking about that in terms of um, every week I try to go to the gym maybe three times a week um, and and get in there. And I have a group of guys that I work out with. It's really hilarious because there's about six or eight of us who work out together. All of us but about one are 35 or older. Could probably stand to lose 15 to 40 pounds. You know what I'm saying? And we go in and we try to do um, insanity. And I, I, I emphasize the word try. Right? And we go in, and we're in this little room together, and we're all doing, you know, we're like, you know, trying to do this insanity stuff. You ever done it? It is insane, and it will kill you. You have to be careful. And people are walking by, like all the big swole-up dudes, they're walking by. There's this one dude in particular, he's always like, sup, ladies? You know, and I'm like, just because you're veiny, and because you're swole, don't put me down, you know what I mean? And, and, and we got one lady, actually in this church, I will not call her name, but she walked by one day and she goes, what are y'all doing, jazzercising? I'm like, <laughs> and so we get in there and, and it, it's, it's hilarious and yet it's fun and yet it's, it's, it, it, it's hard and it's good for us, but we have to encourage each other. And sometimes the encouragement is just seeing other people not quit. You're like, well, they didn't quit, I got to keep going. They didn't quit. And then sometimes, you know, it's, it's just an encouraging word. Come on, we can do this. Let's do this. Let's do the next one. Let's go. Start the timer. Let's get it. You know what I mean? And it's encouraging. We can't do it alone. We need other people pushing us, pushing us to go and take that next step. We need other believers so that when we don't have faith for ourselves, they have faith for us. We all come to this place sometimes where, man, it's hard. We don't know if we can take another step. And yet they're like, I know you can Jesus is in you. Let's go. Quit tripping over your lips and let's go. Right? Quit pouting and let's move on. And we need those people in our lives who can speak truth to us, who can encourage us, who can remind us to go back to the big T and see who we really are in Christ. I can tell you that it's not a battle that's won and then you move on. It's a battle, it's a war that has been won by Jesus, but we have to apply his truth into our lives. There's the last illustration that I want to end this whole series with, end this day with. And it's the illustration that Jesus gave us. And it's actually what we call communion. 
Jesus did this with his disciples um, during the feast of Passover. And he took bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body which is given for you. And then he took the juice and he blessed it. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. Meaning the way you're going to relate to God. In other words, you're going to relate to God because my body bore your sin. It bore your condemnation. And you're going to relate to God because my blood was shed as a substitution for the punishment that you should have received. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant. And he gave it to his disciples. And there's so many things that are so awesome in the sacrament of communion. There's so many things that are so amazing as we look at it. We see the gospel played out in front of us. We see Jesus giving his life and sacrificing his life for us. We see his body taking the sin that we deserve. We see him punished for us. We see his blood shed. It should have been us who was punished. Us who died. And yet Jesus gives us life. We see the gospel in communion. We see our identity. We realize that we're now part of his body. We're part of his perfection. We're part of Jesus. We've been united with him as one, as a body under the headship of Christ. That this is who we are. Not just you and you and you. Not just individuals, but as a corporate body. This is what I know. Everybody in here is messed up in some way. But when we come together, imperfect people transparently living before others, people can see the glory of God. Not that we claim perfection in and of ourselves, but that we claim the perfection of Jesus through faith. And people begin to see that. And as we come and we take communion, we see our purpose played out in front of us. As hundreds, literally hundreds in this room today are going to come and celebrate the power of Jesus to give new life an awesome testimony to the glory of God that God would take one story and then two stories and then 10 stories and then 20 stories of people's lives who've been changed by Jesus bring them all together and it becomes this shining beacon of light and of hope to a world that if God can write a better story in their lives he can write one in mine An awesome testimony communion is to the gospel, to our identity, to our purpose. People, this is what, this is unacceptable that we would let this stop with our story. We're stopping short. We're called to go into the world. We're called to find those lost people and tell them the good news of Jesus. And we're going to celebrate that gospel that saved us. We're going to celebrate our identity and we're going to celebrate our purpose right here today as we take communion. Listen, as we begin to prepare, the Bible tells us we should examine our hearts. Where is it in your life that you need to give God the pen? What is it that you're not trusting God with right now? What is it that's hindering you from living out the story that God wants to give you so that you can impact the story of someone else and so that he receives the glory for lives and hearts that have been changed and saved and transformed? I want us to take a minute. I'm going to pray and you reflect on what God is putting in your heart. What is it that you need to do? Give him the pen and let him write the story. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have a better story for our lives. And I thank you for these believers that I get to be here with today that I get to share my life with. And I pray you'll write a better story in us. 
write a better story with us. God, let it bring you glory. As we come and we share, we are imperfect people covered by your grace. God, thank you for the grace that saves our lives. Right now, I want to ask you, if you will, just everybody, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Everybody pray it with me. Just pray it out loud. And I want you to just repeat it after me as we prepare our hearts for communion. Say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need your help. I know I need your life. Lord, take the pen. I want to receive your story. I trust in you for salvation. I trust in you to use me to write a better story that will be for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.